where movies were never safe to begin with, and the truth is stranger than fiction. Starring Moral Bob, Drew Misson, and Ryan Dean. Conspiracy Theater 3000. Our impulses are being redirected. We are living in an artificially induced state of consciousness that resembles sleep. Something given has no value. Well, I got a couple of thousand goddamn questions, you know? The world ain't what it seems, is it, Gunny? I want to speak to someone in charge. The moment you think you got it figured, you're wrong. Enforce, my friends, is violent. They've been studying this for years, fighting our weaknesses. I want a lot to complain. is a business. You have no right to make people crazy. We've got to stop them! They're going to kill us all! How come I know so much? Their intention to rule rests with the annihilation of consciousness. What the hell is going on around here? Who's going on, you people? They are safe as long as they are not discovered. That is their primary method of survival. Keep us asleep, keep us selfish, keep us sedated. We accept the reality of the world with which we're presented. With which we're presented. With which we're presented. Alrighty, gentlemen, welcome back for another episode of Conspiracy Theatre Three Thousand. I am joined by my amazing co-hosts Ryan Dean and Moral Bob, and I am, of course, am Drew Misson, and we're here to talk about a little film we've been trying to get to for a, for a hot minute now. Oh, it's been a hard one to get to. It's been like six weeks. Oh, dude, once Christmas happens and January's in full swing, like it's such a busy time of year. Especially, Mm. Bob, you have a brand new bundle of joy in the household, so congratulations, mate. That's taken up a lot of your time, but all worth it. She's beautiful, buddy. Thanks, man. Um, Yeah, I couldn't be happier about it. Um, I've got, you know, just an amazing wife that does a majority of the lifting there, and... um, you know, we've got this gorgeous, super chill baby. Uh, the rest of our kids are way more of a pain in the ass than the baby. They they require way more effort. And they're all old enough to wipe their own asses. And the baby's the easiest one. <laughs> She's super chill. Yeah, congratulations with that, man. That's awesome. Thanks, man. Thanks. I have yet to experience childbirth or you know, parenting, maybe. Parenting. Don't we- let anybody hear me say this. But it's okay if you don't have kids. Oh, I know. Like, my wife and I fantasize about it all the time. Like, God, if we didn't have kids, <laughs> the, the trouble we'd get into. Think of the amount of chickens we could have. If we didn't, Dude, <laughs> we, would get into, we would get into some trouble. Because yeah, there's man. a lot no, of times I... where the only thing that holds us back is the fact that we got kids. Chase, well, sometimes be... I feel like I need it. You know what I mean? Because I, I, I think it cleaned me up a little bit. But well, I'm not so, a, I'm not a degenerate over here. I'm, I still get my shit done. Drew, well, do you have kids? No, not yet. But for you, Ryan, you'd have to say goodbye to those Ninja Turtles and Garbage Pail Kids. Oh, no, no more of that. No, hey, you know what? No way. If I had a kid, though, dude, I would get them all the cool toys, and I would buy two of every one, and I would hide one set of everything that I got for the kid. And then, like, when they're fucking, you know, thirty years old or whatever. Here you go. Here's all your old toys. Leave them in the box. You can sell them if you want. But I mean, it's a it's a really cool thing to look at your old toys that you used to play with as a kid, man. Yeah, it's a solid yeah, thing. So I've been, I've been speaking of old toys again. 
That's Check crazy. This, looking this is this is an old Lego. I don't remember exactly how old this is, but C-3PO. It's C-3PO. Oh, Do nice. you notice something? Silver leg. Yeah. Silver leg. I mean, dude, and I, this I, thing's at least ten years old. Like, I, 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 it's not the original. So, but if you watch the movies again, he's back to having both gold legs. Yeah, I've got figures from the nineties, and they've got gold legs. Uh-huh. Crazy. Towards the end, if we remember, I'll show off one set, because I can't show off all of them, but I'll show off the military set. The Air Force, the Green Beret, the Ranger, and the Navy. 90s Ninja Turtle set. Made in 1991, the year that I was born, baby. Solid. Nice. Solid. I, somewhere, I think, in my mom's storage shed, we still have some of the early 90s figures that were different-themed. Like my That was yeah. when my little brother was was kind of young and super into that. I was a little past it, but um, my little brother is just a little older than you, I think, Ryan. He's in his late 30s, I think. I don't know. Okay. Um, ginger as well? And they have... No. No? Um, no, I'm the only ginger. Bob's the milkman. <laughs> Oddly. And and my, my newborn daughter, she's a ginger. So I'm continuing the ginger line. Good. Um, but yeah, we have some early 90s uh ninja turtle action figures man that are it like die cast like they're fucking metal they're not plastic how cool man yeah these ones are all plastic but i'm real proud of them and uh i'm working on the western set right now (laughs) in a 90 92 i can remember having the monsters one and then one was a mummy one was wolfman frankenstein that was a cool set are you talking about the NECA ones the newest ones no back in the 90s there was wow like a monster mash type of variation of them. But nostalgia think- aside, gentlemen, and Ninja yeah. Turtles I could talk about all night because it's goddamn awesome. Yeah. We're here to speak about one of the most <laughs> watched films in Netflix history. Something that has blown up on the conspiracy side of podcasts. And I'm actually almost happy we didn't jump on this straight away. It's give us, given me some time to compress it and look at it and even see what other people picked up on, which I think was a right. bit of fun. And the name of this film is leave the world behind yeah fun movie man i watch it all the time still i think it's uh do you yeah man it's one of those movies like and and don't be exposing yourself to that noise ryan (laughs) see that's what kim says and i'm like dude you know to me it's just it's one of those ones it's it's a movie that you can watch over and over again you can always find something new right um like going back to and and we'll get into it, but like I I didn't realize you know the radio station that they're picking up is sixteen nineteen mm-hmm. um, on the on the dashboard, and that's like supposedly when slavery got started in the U.S., which it's laughable that the Obamas who have gone all the way to the top of society are trying to raise awareness about slavery. You know what I mean? And who knows how black they really are if you really look into their history? So black um, people weren't even a majority of the slaves, so everybody can that wants to get pissed off can just pump the brakes. Right, I know. Gingers. Well, yeah, I don't want to hear. Gingers are the real minority. Um, Mm -hmm. I see, I see ten black people Uh, for every ginger person that I see in society. So, and we we truly are the colored people. Look at us. That's color. We're colored. I want to take that word back. Like (laughs) real world clowns, right? (laughs) No, honestly, man, like. I've so don't tell don't tell Kim or anything, but I've I've really gained an appreciation for redheaded women. I mean, big time. 
Just big time. They are very, very cute. Uh, if they're good, you know, cute. not the ones with like the hardcore freckles and stuff. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> it's a but, fine line with gingers, man. Yeah, it's, it's hit a and really miss. fine line. Right. Scrape yeah. in the barrel Either. or a perfect 10. There's nothing uh, in yeah, between. Yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. That's what I was going to say. It's like ginger women are, are either like four and under or eight and up. Yeah. You don't find any sixes. That doesn't right. happen. <laughs> right. Yeah, and sometimes they're just thick. I mean, it's just it's a good it's a good thing you guys got going there. So uh let's move on before I get hurt here. So you did mention something though, the Obamas. This was an interesting thing that our producers for this film. And did anyone actually reference the, or know the name of their production company? Uh High Ground. Yeah, and you notice what their is symbol what for called? it is? What's that? Do you know what their symbol for high ground production company is? It's a swastika with a cross and a Jewish star throw, right? <laughs> Almost. It's like a pyramidal. It? It's like a pyramidal shape, like a stepped pyramid. Wow. Of course it is. I didn't notice that, that. See, that's the kind of shit that makes me think that this is just all silly nonsense to get us to chase our tails, because they're just intentionally throwing a bunch of shit out there just to make people like us go, "Oh, did you see the triangle?" Again, like, you know, it's just like well, actually, it doesn't have to be there. And, you know, with, uh, you know, people that I don't, I don't know if we really put these videos out anywhere. I will absolutely put this video on on, on uh, my Patreon. But people that have seen the, the film, they might get a kick out of Bob's background. I, we're going to have to keep an eye on that water level rising throughout because that happens <laughs> yeah, in the movie. Sure Interesting does. things that go on with the art. It's all it's very Stanley Kubrick, right? Like like everything in every scene has a purpose. There's nothing accidental in in any of the frames seems like, like it every okay. single thing is intentional yeah it's very much cubic-esque film i just double checked the high grounds logo originally it was an all-seeing eye now it's right. like that stepped pyramid almost like a stairway to heaven but i think mm. you, you hit the nail on the head bob for me this film is very in your face very sandbox conspiracy out there in the open, not even trying to be hidden. And I think it did a really good job, and it did it to me initially when I first watched it. This film scared the shit out of me. I sat there, and I was fixated on it because I'm like the typical conspiracy theorist. Oh, Jesus, they're telling us what they're going to do. They could turn it all off at at any moment. Stuff they already knew they could do, but you get drawn into this film, and it really elicits an emotional response into you of fear. And I didn't realize Mm. until I watched it a second or a third time that, Hey, this is being done for a reason here. Right. Right. And it's it's just that, right? Like like they want you to focus on all the overt shit, all the exoteric stuff. They they want you looking at that stuff. They don't want you reading in between the lines. Um and there's a lot of really sub-level symbolism and messaging in this movie that you kind of have to dig a few layers or really be paying attention there'll be a sentence that's spoken in passing that you know has really nothing to do with anything but if you listen to it on its own you're like wait a minute what did they just say right right yeah it's uh I say that we hop into it, man, because I think that, you know, it's going to take a long time to actually get through it. And we're going to have to really kind of, you know, cut some corners to try and get through the whole movie and dig into it. But yeah, dude, I mean, I'm curious if if some names mean anything to Drew. 
Um, if, uh, you know, just like the, the cities and all these things, there's some things with like the shirts that these guys are wearing, the Obey shirt, the right. NASA shirt, the, the Bikini Kill shirt. So obviously there's a lot of symbolism. And uh, yeah, man, I, I think we need to get into it, dude, unless this episode's going to be like six hours long. <laughs> it could <laughs> be. If, it could if, be. Like the amount of people that have done this to death already, a lot of the stuff we're probably going to cover anyway, but it's worth talking about. The names... And they're not us, Drew. No, they're, they're not. not us. The Look names... Right. Yeah. That's right. There's two gingers and a spick. No. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm 25%. Next. I mean, we can, we're going to take that word back. You know what I mean? Go for it. Um, the names threw me a little bit on this one. It's almost like they tried to invert a lot of the names. You know, traditionally in the past, the names are bang on to the character progression and the personality. It's inverted on a couple of our main characters. Amanda Sanford, which is the wife, played by Julia Roberts, her name is Hebrew or Aramaic, and the name means gift from God. Um, in Sanford in Hebrew means Sandy River Crossing, peaceful counsel or negotiator. She's hardly a peaceful negotiator or, or someone that you can have counsel with in this film. She's very aggressive. You can see later on the film when the owners, air quotes, of the house arrive. She's very confrontational. She doesn't want to sit down and break bread with them at all. She's very standoffish. She's almost like the inverted idea of what that name would be. Um, we go to her husband, Clay Sanford. Um, Clay is a British origin, means clay worker, so very working class. Um, and intriguingly, in, in the Greek um, basis for it, it means mortal. Uh, and biblically, mortals were um, molded from clay. Uh, the, the cold and empty vessel in the Greek mythology, Zeus fashions humans out of clay. And it kind of preempts his idea of a man who later on calls himself a useless man and he doesn't really amount to a lot. So right. his real mortality is shown in that film. Um, Archie is an inverted one again, their son. Um, Archie comes from High German, Erikenbold, uh, which means genuinely bold or brave. This kid doesn't seem to be brave or bold in it. He kind of represents the idea of this generation's males being baiters addicted to porn, addicted to like the earthly things of the body, never really achieving anything. He's glued to his phone all the time. He's taking yeah. little sneaky pics of the of the girl when she's by the pool. Now did she did you notice she had hairy armpits? Yes. This did. generation man. Disgusting. That, that used to be just a European thing and now it's everywhere. Oh it used to be a man thing and now <laughs> it really is everywhere. It's horrible. Um, Not that she cute. She had a bit of a big forehead there, but Whatever. It's okay. We go to Rose Sanford, which is the very Asperger's daughter. Um, Rose in Scottish is a definition of promontory or headland from a peninsula. Um, in Norse, though, it means red. And interestingly enough, she has a bit of a ginger-esque uh, rusty hue going on with her hairstyle. Not a huge one there. We go to George Scott or H.G. Scott, which is an African-American man who's the owner of the house. His name is Greek in origin from Gagoras, meaning farmer or earth worker. Um, so he's working the earth. He's a worker. The modern day variations of George mean solid, strong, royal and saintly, yet friendly and unpretentious. And he kind of has that approach to him. He seems very guarded at the start, not letting out a lot of information. But as the film progresses, he definitely solidifies himself as being the alpha male in the story, the one that you can kind of depend on in that group as they've come together. And then Ruth is the last character. Uh, Ruth, Hebrew in origin, meaning friend, friendship, compassionate friend. Again, she's the inverse. She's not very compassionate. She's not very friendly towards the other family. 
um, until the very end when there's danger that's kind of set upon them. They kind of are forced to to join together. And the last one, I'm sorry, is Danny, which is played by um, Kevin Bacon. He plays our conspiracy theorist redneck type of a guy. Daniel is Hebrew and origin mean God is my judge. And he definitely judges people based off their inability to take care of themselves or see what's coming. Yeah, he was an interesting person to be in this movie. That that kind of threw me off when I saw him in it. Because I did I I kind of knew who was in it. I didn't know he was in it until I saw him on screen. Um because I just I I turned a bl- kind of a blind eye to this movie. I just when it came out I was like, yeah, fuck this dumb shit. Like it's going to be it's going to be exactly what it was, which was this overt messaging um fear-mongering movie, which I kind of expected um but when i finally watched it man i'm if i had more time i'd be like you guys man i would have watched it like five or six times by now because it just it is a really really good movie and it's it's just i mean on its face it's just a really well done movie like this movie is done very well it's acted well it's shot well it's it's written well um there's a few MacGuffins in the movie if you're paying attention to little shit, like um, there's some stuff that just doesn't pan out, and I'm like, wait a minute, what, what the fuck? Um, and I'll I'll talk and about those. But Bob, you were you were uh, you know kind of hinting that you didn't like the movie. It sounds like you did like it though, right? Uh, I didn't want to like it, <laughs> right? But I mean, dude, right? like, like you're saying, but... they did such a good job. They 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 created such a good aura of suspense. Right, like the the weird, like the the angles mm-hmm. of the camera when they're almost looking at the camera, but they're not quite looking at it. It just there's this way that it's done where you don't want to like it, but you end up liking it, man. I know you. Dude, like the it. end, Admitted. the Admitted. end threw me Admitted. off. Like yeah. I didn't expect that ending at all. And when it right. got done, I was like, "All right, cool." Like that that was that was what it needed to be. Um, right, and it's just. The story arc is great. You know, you've got so to tell, like the basic story arc, it's this this working family where you get the idea that they have older kids like high school age. And <clears throat> this is um a working couple. Like they both have jobs. Um, I think one of them's a writer and the other one is like in marketing or some shit. Yeah, he's a university Corporate lecturer. Job. That's what it is. Um and his wife is like some corporate person because you hear her on the phone talking about some shit you get the idea that she's businesswoman you know she works with like creating relationships uh, in cl- clients and, and companies basically and, and which okay. is ironic she's super bitchy and standoffish yeah ties back into her name then right it's, and um... they they start with them planning a, a getaway right for the family they apparently don't they work a lot they don't get away much and they get an airbnb called the title of the the stay was leave the world behind and it's this fucking big ass mansion in the middle of nowhere and so it it kind of Island, gives you but... well i guess for the area it was kind of out well for city know, new york people it, it seems like the middle of nowhere right like if for you're talking sure. about city folk you, you use right. new york as the i the stereotypical city folk like these are right. people who 
Bob had said they are in academia, they are in like high corporate industries. They don't know how the common person lives their day to day life, and their escape is to go to a, a McMansion in the middle yeah. of air quotes nowhere for them. Well, and and right. not to you know step on what Bob's saying here, but you know oh, we're a little bit farther ahead than than where I wanted to start, which let's is let's reel know, it back. Let's go yeah, ahead. reel this thing in because there's this there's this room that they start in. And, and if you notice, it's done kind of like that movie Get Out, where there's a lot of blue, a ton mm-hmm. of blue everywhere in the beginning. Blue representing Democrats, liberalism, all this shit. The good guys, right? As the as the media would tell you. And a calming and color. It is a calming color, absolutely. Um, represented by a jackass. That's their, that's their uh, you know, that's their animal, right? Where an elephant never forgets. That's kind of a fun thing I always like to bring up to liberal people. <laughs> but, um, you know, you've got this blue room and, and you have Ethan Hawke, who's also been in movies like The Purge. Um, where, you know, he's been in a few movies where it's like, these are kind of almost prophetic movies in a way. Not quite yet, but they could get there. And you've got, like, when you're, when you're just sitting there looking at it, it seems like they're maybe in Philadelphia because there's a 76ers cup, right? There's... um actually three sixes right in the opening scene there's a six 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 right in the opening scene there's the blue six from the 76ers logo there's an analog clock with um pointed at six o'clock i think i would assume it was 6 a.m and then there's an analog clock on the other side um maybe julia roberts can't tell time on the uh (laughs) you know other side but yeah there's a digital and an analog clock both of them are, are saying six so there's a 76 or six analog six digital six and um, it's it's interesting because I only saw the two sixes on each side of the bed, and it took me a long time to find that third one. And then I had heard other people talk about that as well. So well, it's um, it's the way that they open the movie was six six six. Well, seventy six in itself is a bit of a a, a deep one to try and find because seventy six signifies in spirituality, like the New Age movement, spiritual awakening and enlightenment, as well as the abundance of luck, success, and wealth. These people are those people exactly. Where they live, they have the abundance, they have the luck, they have the wealth because of their station in society. Biblically, 76 represents the majesty of God in judgment, almost like they're about to receive judgment for the rest of the film. Yeah. Well, and also just talking about the blue room, blue is also um, an indication of depression, right? Like, why are you so blue? Is you're depressed and you get kind of the idea that these people aren't really happy with their lives. Like, yeah, they're successful, but they're not, they're not happy people. Right. Well, and, and if you like going back to what I was saying about just all the blue around their van is blue. Um, every, there's so much blue in the beginning. I mean, they're wearing a lot of blue when they go to the beach, there's almost like a blue filter on the entire movie. When you're watching it, there's the blue ocean and not to, you know, jump ahead, but when we get to the boat too, that comes up, you know, I have some stuff with blue and red, uh, with that, with that ship that comes up, but, uh, you know, Drew, if you want to continue with the yes. plot. So it's interesting, like the, the, the wife kind of wakes the husband up in the middle of the morning, like we're going away for the weekend. We're having a break. We're going to go off with the kids for a vacation. And he's like, yeah, cool. Let's do it. Let's go. You got a bit Airbnb. Let's do it. It jumps into like the intro, like the credits. And it's a very interesting jump because we've gone from that calming blue aesthetic into everything being red, black, and white. So red's the complete opposite of the color spectrum. Black and white's very divisive. And, and Joey during- Badass 
playing on the yeah as playing on the on the track and every single graphic that comes down preempts a scene in the movie later on it has deer um some weird reason there were upside down crucifixes flying past the screen at one point it's there's a checkered sun and there's all these things going on which i i think i throw away little conspiracy sandbox things to kind of draw people in but it actually applies to a certain scene or a a different part of the film um once this is finished we see the family traveling along in their car like you said again it's blue and the exit they go on to is exit 76 Mm -hmm. so again 76 is a number that pops up it seems to be a lot in this film um they're driving as they enter the house there's a blue and white painting with the all-seeing eye this is one that a lot of people picked up on i wouldn't say it's the all-seeing eye itself it's multiple eyes um i think it's more indicative of big brother like big brother's watching you there's eyes everywhere and again the blue symbolism and what's the husband um the husband he's wearing a checkered shirt in this scene like the masonic checkered shirt so a lot of stuff that's very in your face um well gets- the checkers the checker it looks like a checkered shirt but it's cards. Oh, it's it's right. poker cards. Interesting. I thought well, it was checkered too, that. and then closer, it's it's cards. I didn't see which cards because I think that's going to matter too. Um, I've only been able to watch this show once, but I go back um, and watch that. But now. I noticed that and was like, "What is that? Is it because it's all a gamble? Does he have an ace up his sleeve? He's playing like us. He's, yeah, like." you know it's um, so this whole setup scene was interesting and one of the biggest things that blew me away was the wi-fi password for the house when the daughter wants to get on and watch friends and because the kids are all addicted to technology the wi-fi password is novella which novella means story so they're throwing it in her face they are just presenting a story to us right like we take it on board as conspiracy theorists says this is how they're going to kill us. This is their plan. This is what they're going to do. They're already telling us. They're just presenting a story. And it kind of reinforces my idea that they're not going to do a big, hard color, a quick flick the switch and turn everything to agony. It's going to be a slow burn. So slow that we can't do anything about it. And I think that's very... And not only that we can't story. do anything about it, is that we won't even notice. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the symbolisms of that boat coming in is the only person that notices the boat coming in is the girl. She's the only one in the entire fucking beach that notices this massive fucking thing coming right at us. And it isn't until it gets like really close that everybody else freaks out. And I think that whole whole scene is imagery of the slow approach and then all of a sudden it's here. Yeah. And you you didn't ever see it show up. Ryan, did you catch some of the artwork in the house in that initial scene? And it's oh yeah, it's got it's written like text on it. It said, "Never gonna let you go. You belong to me." Yeah, yeah. There's there's that. There's the eyes. There's the Schumann resonance paintings that change on the walls. Mm-hmm. There's um there's tons of different things in there as far as the art goes. And uh, yeah, man, as I've watched it, you know, probably thirty times at this point, I've started to like just try to look at. Dude, I like the movie, man. I really do. And I think it's that good, there's a lot. Man. I think there's a lot in there, man. Um, you know, down to the dates and stuff like that. There's some an, an interesting thing that Drew shared with uh an a, an eclipse, right? Later on that that we're talking about, but yeah, dude, the art in the movie. I think that there's something to to kind of dissect about all of it. And I actually have something before we get to like the 
um, you know, blackout part when they start realizing that shit's going crazy. I got something that I really want to share too. But as far as art goes, yeah, man, the, there's yeah. there's definitely stuff there with the art. So they want to kind of leave the kids away from technology, lead them away, get them out of the city, get them out of their normal rut. So they decide to take them to the beach. And this is where that, that the big scene, what we see in the trailers of the oil or the shipping container ship kind of beach itself. Now, a lot of people looked at this and they saw the white line, they saw the colours of the symbolism, but I've picked up on something possibly that I don't think I've seen anywhere else yet. I could be wrong, you know, it's nothing new under the sun. It took exactly two minutes and 33 seconds for the light, the white line to beach itself. Um, if you go to Acts 2.33 in the Bible, it says, Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted and having received the Father, the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this, which ye now see and hear. Which goes back to what Bob saw, said. The only person that saw it initially was the girl. And the white line itself is a um, biblical symbol of the white line of Judah. And it goes back to Revelation 5.5. 5. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See the lion on the tribe of Judah. The root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and the seven seals. This is widely regarded as a reference to the second coming of Christ. So when you see the white line and the seven seals are broken, that kind of preempts the end of the world. So this ship wow. kind of is the white line of Judah. Well, I saw it too. I did not go as deep as that. That's wild. That's very interesting, Drew. But what I saw it as was, you know, white lion... It's a red and blue ship. Blue's on top of red in this ship, right? There's a lot more red, but the blue is on top, and it says White Lion. When Trump was talking about starting this MAGA party, the animal of that was going to be a lion, right? It was going to be a MAGA lion where, you know, the, the Republicans have the elephant, the Democrats have the donkey. And if you're, you know, talking about this being like a second coming of Christ, a lot of people see Trump as a mess messianic figure, right? They do. So that, I think, ties in, man. I think that that might have been. And also, I heard that the White Lion was a, a like profoundly evil uh, slave ship back in the day, back in like the 1600s. So that's why they reference this. There's a lot of stuff going with the um, with the slave days. You know, the, the Obamas try to really focus on that, even though they're some of the most successful black people in the world. So it's kind of ironic. But nonetheless, I digress. Well, that scene kind of, the, the big thing about that scene, though, just take away all the symbols and the hidden stuff you can find. Bob nailed it before that no one notices it. And even when they do notice it, they still stand there like stale mullets, just watching it come forward. They've got no survival skills. They've got no ability to try and protect themselves. They just watch it till the very last minute. And then the penny drops for them and they have to start running. Like you see yeah. that more and more. It's almost like a, a, a bystander syndrome where people stand back and they watch the danger happen or they film it on their phones. They've got no fight or flight reactions anymore. We're just zombies to everything in our everyday life. We're so complacent, you know, like as society, we're just complacent and nobody gives a fuck about anything. Like it's, and and we don't notice giant things right in our face until it's, until it's too late. Um, there's a lot of that kind of overt, messaging symbolism in this movie like they've they've got tiny little messages and huge messages like it's this is one of the most insanely interwoven movies i've ever seen and i've only seen it once and i'm just like holy fuck man there's like 16 layers of shit to dig through on this 
And yeah. we could do 15 podcasts on this and not run out of shit to talk about. Yeah, man. That's why I watch it so much. It's fun. And sometimes I'll just <laughs> yeah. run in the background and shit. You know what I mean? But it's, uh, so. I like the tone of it. I mean, I kind of, at this point, dude, I might be, I might be crazy. I kind of welcome a change like what they are talking about in that movie. I welcome like a, like a let's fucking get it going. Like, you know, dude, I pray for the day that the power goes out. All the fucking idiots are going to be fucked. They're going to be done. It's going to be game over for them. In a week, half of them will be starved to death. In two weeks, the rest of them will go so crazy they kill the other half of the rest of them. And the last bit will fucking eventually die out. Like, it'll fucking, it'll cure this goddamn world of idiocy inside a month. Like, I I guarantee it. If the power got shut off worldwide for two weeks... You know, not to the point where like people with pacemakers died and shit like that, but I'm not talking EMP, just like a controlled, like, cause there's, to be real, dude, people with pacemakers, these older folks that know how to change a fucking tire and shit like that, they're the people that we would need around more than these people that know how to fucking code, right? So coding is just, I have a, I have a theory that coding, these dudes think that everybody that's doing code thinks they're doing one thing and yeah, it gets a reaction. You can write code and it'll respond on the screen, but there's some sub layer to it. That they're actually fabricating the bullshit that's happening in the world. Like, like they're, they're one small gear in the machine and they don't even realize what their role they is. They don't even realize they they're, they're told to focus on this action that they get from what they're doing, but it's actually writing the program that we're living. So it's interesting that you guys said that you'd welcome the kind of destruction of the world to restart and kickstart everything. I'm always a compassionate person and I'm probably too much so and to my own detriment. My wife constantly says it all the time. But every now and again, I'll go for a trip down the street, I'll go do the grocery shopping and I'll come home and I'm instantly a, a eugenicist. You run into idiots in the street and you're like, I could do some death panels with those types of people. So yeah. it kind of brings back to... You can lose your humanity, but at the same time, it's weaponized as well. They want you to care about everyone, but at the end of the day, you have to look after yourself and the ones around you more than anyone else. I I think they want you to act like you care about everybody, but they don't. They want want you to to care about their group. Mm. They want you to care about. Yeah, but they they still only want surface level caring, right? Like it's 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 this gross, lazy um, self hero worship. Like, I want to do as little work as possible and get the highest reward. And that's what the whole mask thing was and still is. Anybody that's still wearing a mask, it's just self-hero worship. They're just such narcissists, they can't take it off. Well, I um, wear mine in my car all the time. Well, yeah, of course. It's got to be safe for sense to wear it. Yeah, you have to. <clears throat> can never be too careful. Yeah. Um, but it's this, uh, it's this lazy narcissism where they... They want people to feel like they're doing something without having to do it. They want to perpetuate the lazy mentality of society. Um, So they just want you to kind of be involved at surface level. And they don't care if it's voting, fucking whatever, you know, getting your vaccine, sending your kid to school, any surface level shit that you're involved in, that's what they want. And they just, they, they don't want you going too deep on shit. Um. So I wish people would actually give a fuck and do something about the shit they say they give a fuck about. Like, damn, the world would be a better place if people actually that said they cared about shit did something about it. Yeah, people often just they like to flap their gums and that's as far as actually willing to go. 
That's all they so have we, to. Yeah, we leave the beach mm-hmm. scene where everyone's been evacuated from the beach, go home. They go back to their, their little mansion out in the middle of nowhere and they start to get ready for a barbecue that night. And the wife starts to get really concerned and she turns to her husband and said, the kids are over this like it was a TV show and they're up to the next episode. Right. And, and that ties into the little girl just constantly wanting to watch Friends. Yeah. Like, it's it's all just a show. And it's the, all just a show. The, the, the first time we see a deer is in this scene and the little girl sees it and the wife sees it. And the husband's, who you think is this really knowledgeable and learned man because he's a university lecturer, says, oh, that's a deer. It's a good omen in Mesoamerican mythology. You actually look at the Mesoamerican mythology around a deer. They represent chaos, immorality, and disease. And they also represent like the same. It's 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 very similar to a human sacrifice. If you can't sacrifice a human to the gods, you sacrifice a deer or an elk or something like that. And it's this it's the next best thing as far as like those sacrificial times that like the Aztecs and shit like that were doing. If they couldn't sacrifice enough humans, they would sacrifice deer because deer was good food. Like that was a very useful animal to these people back then. And um, so yeah, well, that, and they that, they're they're very. Yeah very mythological they're, they're message bringers like they're um you know they're there to to say whether or not you know if you see a deer you know something's about to happen like you 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 act the way if the deer seem calm then everything's cool if the deer seem agitated then you better fucking be fuck on your toes yeah. yeah like like watch the deer I mean, that's what ancient cultures um used to fucking do well is they would watch wildlife but specifically shit that's very intuitive like deer they weren't watching the water huh no well humans have a, something that's actually a, a connection to our ancient predator past right of being hunter gatherers we have a, a a cognitive flip when you see a deer's tail flip up and you see the white on it that triggers our brain and we have the same response that you see in wolves mountain lions and other large predators how so it's uh, so the look, they put like the um, the MRI type of the little dots and stuff all over the, a human skull, and they flipped it, and the part of the brain that activates is the exact same spot that activates within wolves, lions, bears. I wonder what that like, is. Like it's like uh... instinctual fight or flight. It's like a little trigger. Yeah, it's probably an instinctual go kill it. It's telling you to be to heighten your awareness. Interesting. Like That's be more fucking aware of shit. Which if you watch wildlife, they're very in the like. You can watch, and if you see a deer or a rabbit or something, and you see them perk their head up and fucking look around, you so something's something's happening. They know. Oh yeah, happening. just a quick tangent here, and then we'll get right back to it, man. Like every day when I let my dogs out, because I've got this deaf puppy, right? He's a corgi <laughs> and he's deaf, and all my other dogs are big. Like they could at least hold their own for a moment against like a bobcat or something, like a mountain lion, a pack of coyotes. I'm not saying they could take them on, right? Um, they're not me. They can't beat, they can't choke these things out like I can. Right. <laughs> but no, I'm just kidding. But like, uh, they, they could at least hold themselves together for a second while I can, you know, shoot them. When I go outside and I see like a bunny out in the yard or, or a, um, you know, ground squirrel, any of these kinds of things, I'm like, okay, cool. There's nothing around, you know, cause there's not, these rabbits don't hang out around coyotes, man. They can, they can right. tune in and they can really, they'll run away. If a predator is in the area and as soon as we come out and I see them running away, I'm like, all right, cool. I'm the, I'm the baddest thing out here right now, which is good, you know, cause this deaf <laughs> motherfucker can't hear a damn thing. So he'll get just chewed up, but yeah, scary. and we, we see this, this, uh, this tie into this movie because the deer are such a big, 
part of the movie and how it progresses. Yeah, it's like a snowball effect as the movie goes on with these damn deer, dude. Yeah. And the flamingos. The fuck? Yeah. Strange one, right? So we jump ahead. They've had their dinner. It's late at night. Um, The clock has 11.17 on it, which looks like a sad face when it's done. Sad face clock. Um, And this is when we have our owners of the house arrive, which you're almost kind of driven to as a watcher believe that they're rifting and they're charlatans and they've somehow got the keys to the place and they're trying to take it over. These people arrive and this is when we see Julia Roberts, one of our main characters, start her very standoffishness of the typical Democrat. They say on the outside they're very much um, progressive and they're all about having races and all together in harmony, but she's definitely a full-blown racist just based off appearance. And she says some throwaway lines like, a man like that dressed in a suit, come on. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I think that she actually represents what they're trying to say as a conservative. And I think that the, and this is the way I saw it even, was that Julia Roberts is more of like a logical person, not because of the racial undertones, but because some random fucking people, as far as she's concerned, are coming in trying to sleep with her and her family, right? And then Ethan Hawke, the liberal teacher, uh, that all teachers are bad, Drew, but you know, that this liberal professor is like, Hey, let's let them in. What are they going to do? It's a, it seems like a night, like I'm going to take them at their word. I'm going to trust these people, even though they could literally, I mean, they could do whatever the hell they wanted to us. If they, if they had the drop on us, right. They pulled up in a car. We don't know what's in their car. He got into this cabinet. They don't even know that there's a damn gun in the cabinet. Right. So um, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but yeah, yeah man. Very true. Bear with me one minute. I'm just going to let some random black people in my house. I'll be right back. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> go for it, dude. Well, and <laughs> see, you we say that that's racist, but black people would, would have the same trepidation against a white person doing the same exact fucking thing. So, and, and they would trust their race more. People self-segregate. I'd, it's I'd have the thing. same reaction it's against not... any random stranger. Any random motherfucker. House. Yeah, I'm going to have the exact same reaction if you are white, black, Asian, fucking whatever. I don't care. You show up at my house in the middle of the night or where I'm staying in the middle of the night, you're getting a gun in your face. Yeah. And this shit. A short bus could pull up to my house with three people in wheelchairs and I would not let them in my house. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, Michael Jackson was right. It doesn't matter if you're black or white. Exactly. (laughs) You see that he's alive, by the way? You see that? No, it's like the burnt stream. No, the stream. No, he went live on his Instagram, and his daughter no, was coming. I swear to God, dude, you can look this up right now. It's a very interesting thing, but we'll we'll keep we'll continue. We'll have to we'll have to save that for another we'll time. Back. <laughs> we'll we'll circle back. That is a good one. Um, so the family arrives. The daughter, as I said, is very. Um, she's almost the yin to the yang of Julia Roberts' character. She gives some concern and trepidation around people arriving and this girl's very much on the attack you know this is our house get the fuck out of our house i don't care if you paid for it this is ours why should we tiptoe around this um she has 96 tattooed on her shoulder did anyone find that any references for 96 on what the meaning behind that is no i know it has something to do with the slavery stuff though and that's actually a real tattoo that she has that's not like a fake tattoo I'll, I'll, that's all that i know did you find out more about that um yeah i think it was along the lines of slavery more than anything else um, in that scene where they come into the house and he's like offering them a drink and kind of says, you know, make yourself at home. There's a bowl of red apples, like entirely red apples, just sitting on the counter. 
So we're shifting away from that blue calming colors and things are starting to become very bright, bright, vibrant in your face. Interesting that it's only apples. It's not just a fruit bowl. Apples of all things, like the the idea of knowledge Mm -hmm. comes from fruit and knowledge of what's foreboding and coming for them in this story. Uh, And this is when we get our first emergency national alert on the screen, which is very interesting in, in that case where we have the background of the screen. It has the map of America on there and there's a QR code within the, I think it's the East coast of the United States. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going to bring up. Yeah. Um, Did anyone actually scan that QR code at all? Yeah. So what it is, is um, there's a great link here and I'll actually share if I have permission here. Yeah. All ready to go. Um, it's a very interesting little thing. So, I mean, you guys would remember this scene, right? I mean, mm-hmm. let's see. I'll scroll up mm-hmm. here just a little bit. This is, uh, like Drew is saying, it's, you know, showing the power outages um, really early on. This is before the, the screen cuts out and it goes to the blue emergency message. And then there's uh, the next morning, just like what he calls snow or static, right? But there's this very faint and it kind of flickers on and off QR code took a little while for people to get a picture of it. Um, but people zoomed in, they blacked it out, uh, threw it in grayscale or whatever. And yeah, you can actually see it right there. So this is the full screen zooming in the QR codes there. Yeah. I Looks, maybe guess that. Uh, between Tennessee and Kentucky. Yeah. Or maybe a little higher. Just, just above Tennessee. So, so can Ohio. Kentucky. Yeah. Kentucky. I don't know. Let's see Kentucky. exactly where. Um, but yeah, so where it goes to is it goes to this, uh, not this website specifically, I don't think, but it goes to this, uh, this park, Mercer County, and it's supposedly one of the most haunted amusement parks in the world, uh, haunted, haunted land, uh, on an Indian burial ground, very creepy looking, but the story here is, um, let's see. Yeah, the leave the world behind QR code links to a real life place called Lake Shawnee Abandoned Amusement Park in Mercer County, West Virginia. Uh, per the website's description, there's something unnatural about the attraction's location, which is billed as quote one of the most haunted places. It's a Native American burial ground, violent deaths, freak accidents. Who knew a simple amusement park could have such a dark past? Well, and, and the Shawnee are part of the Algonquin, and they're the, like the very first North Americans to be in contact with the British and the French, and they were all but decimated through the French and Indian War. So that's interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, that's apparently what they're pointing out to. So it sounds like what what they're doing here is they're trying to, um, you know, just draw attention subliminally and kind of like more overtly just to virtue signaling bullshit, right? Uh, Americans and people that colonized the United States weren't the first. They're not the last to do this kind of shit. But, you know... We're the most aware and the most awake people in the world. You go back up for a second there, Ryan. Go back up. Up a little bit more. Up, 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 up. Stop. The Clay incident. Clay is the name of our main character. Go back down. Oh, wow. Well, let's read this. Let me move this out of the way here. Uh, Lake Shawnee's... The Clay Clay incident. Lake Shawnee's restless past originates in the 18th century during the 1700s, where Mitchell Clay brought his... Sorry... Young family out west, they established an 800-acre farm and raised 14 children. Tragedy struck the Clays in 1783. A Native American tribe 
slew two of the children while Mitchell was out hunting. They kidnapped one of the boys, Ezekiel, only to Mm. burn him at the stake. Clay retaliated with the help of the other settlers. He tracked down several Native Americans and killed them. The sacred homestead was never the same. The scarred homestead, rather. Wow, Wow, there we go. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, that's the one that caught your eye there. Bone chilling tours. I mean, yeah, you can tour this place. Apparently It'd be hilarious if the Obamas just own stock in the tours and they're like, Hey, check this out, motherfuckers. But, but um, freaking awesome. I mean, I would do that kind of shit, right? Right. Should we call them right now? I'm going to call them. You do it live. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, sure. wh- while you're doing that, Ryan, this is where we see one of the first background pieces of art change within the film. At the beginning of it, the bedroom behind the bedhead, it was a calm ocean scene. And as the, the owners of the house arrive, the bed has a stormy background in it. It's like the calm before the storm. The bedroom was a relaxing place, a place where you sleep. The art behind it reflects that it's a calming place. And as we get into the progression of the owners moving into the house last minute, we see stormy things added to the artwork. Stormy yeah, things. This is really cool, man. Not Stormy Daniels, Stormy Things. I know. <laughs> I'm gonna hit I'm gonna hit call right now. It's gonna ring a couple of times. I'm sure that they're not in business hours right now, but maybe we'll get an answering machine or maybe we'll just uh you know hear a little bit about it. I'm gonna put it on speaker. Um I'll kind of talk until something happens. Seven, West Virginia. We are sorry we missed your call. Yeah. Uh, is open Monday through Friday. Okay. Well, you know what we'll do? I'll call them back on Monday. And we'll see what's going on. <laughs> and I'll just say, hey, you know, why Why is your, a QR code directing to your, uh, you know, your place? Why is why is this in a Obama-directed movie? What do you guys have to do with that? And then they'll probably right. say, oh, we don't have anything to do with that. And I'll say, bullshit. I'm going to come get you guys. Oh, there's ATV tours. Never mind. This is a cool place. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. ATV, ATV dining. dining. Oh, look at that. This sounds fun. But only yeah, uh, only in America could you have ATV driving in like a weekend where there's a burial ground. That's so quintessentially American. It is, man. Hey, we're the best <laughs> oh, in the yeah. world. But yeah, dude, I'm gonna I'm gonna follow up on this for sure. It sounds interesting. I'm gonna save this site. So uh, anyway, um, so this is when we see the first. Um, this is the, one of the first times we see the Earth again. We see the Earth from um, space, the Moon. And this is when we go into the next stage of the story, and it's called Part 2, The Curve. And it's interesting that we have that shot of the Earth the way it is. Now, Bob, you would have been all over this, my friend, I'm telling you. Oh, dude, it's just, I, you know, air. it's just programming. Like, I just see it, and I'm just like, okay, of course it's called The Curve, and they've got to put that little indoctrination into people's heads, and, you know, people will see that and think that it's a real image of the Earth that they got but from NASA or whatever, but... I think they were talking about like a learning curve. I don't think they were talking about. Of course, yeah, yeah, but it's 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 the subliminal shit they're putting in there with that, right? Now, like, did you watch this with your wife too, Bob? You watched it alone. Yep. You watched it, watch it with my wife. Yeah, I don't ever watch anything by myself. No. Are you scared? Are you scared to see like scary movies by yourself? No, I'm just if I'm home, I'm <laughs> with my wife. <laughs> I know. So <laughs> I'm curious what she thought of it because she seems very like minded to yourself. Uh, she thought it, she pointed out a lot of shit too. Like we're both just watching the movie. Just what the fuck? Kind like, it's just constant. Just constant. Yeah. Did it's you like watch watching the movie with too? myself. I did. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I've never just I I'm curious to see if anyone doesn't like the movie. I showed it to my family and everything too, and it, it just seems like everyone kind of likes it. I didn't want to like it. I got a uh, Mitch the Orgone donor to watch it after fucking basically just annoying him to the point to where he watched it because <laughs> I knew I knew he would like it because he didn't want to watch it for the same reasons I didn't want to watch it. And I was like, dude, just watch it. Like, like, fuck it. Like, you not watching it isn't making any statement that anybody's going to give a fuck about. Right. It's, it's actually a really good movie. So fucking watch it. And he watched it. And even, even Mitch was like, all right, man, that was a really good movie. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, see, I fucking told you. So yeah. this this scene opens up with, again, the deer become more, more prevalent in this film. It started off as one. And now we see a gathering of deer. It's not a huge amount. It's a few initially that the girl sees. But I've got a bit of an idea and a theory on this that I don't think um, has really been explored all that much. So the deers are gathering around like a horde of zombies, right? This could be a reference to the zombie wasting disease that is now experiencing North American deer population, CWD, Mm -hmm. chronic wasting disease. And if we think of diseases, um, say like Lyme disease being an origin of the weapons um, and military industrial complex, what's to say that this disease isn't a, a man-made disease, which right. that week that I watched this, I actually saw a news story where it was the first reported case of the disease transferring from deers to humans. <laughs> of course. Sure. So they're yeah, throwing in that whole idea of the zombie apocalypse into this as well through bioweapons. Right, and zombie deer are a thing that I've I've heard about. Um like it's it's some bacterial infection or some shit that gets in their brain and t- basically turns them into zombies. Well, I'll show. Um, so look, uh, not to you know, I'll show exactly what you guys are talking about. Ghost and I actually talked about this, and he called it something else. It's not a, a zombie thing. It's like a, uh, and obviously you know that's just like kind of a slang term for it. But right. like, are are you saying that this like what you're thinking this is is actually like a you know undead or uh no no, no, no i'm saying that's the that's the hyperbolic no. thing behind it. i'm saying that this could be a nod to the idea that this chronic wasting disease that's currently in north american deer populations right. okay. could be zoonotic and actually transfer to humans on a bigger scale because we've okay. already seen one person with it now yeah i mean it's terrifying i'll show this um we can just kind of talk over it we don't need to necessarily you know, play the music, but yeah, this is like a cute deer in 2023. It looks like I can't really see the top there. Um, just prancing oh, around normal. Like fucking deer. This is 2024. This thing is laying down. It looks dead, and like, I mean, that looks. It looks like it's in reverse. You know, um, kind of perking up. I mean, that shit looks terrifying. If I saw that, yeah, um, look hidden. at it. The eyes are gone. It looks like a zombie. It's got blood on its neck. Going this next one's going in a circle. Um, another one's you know doing another circle. It's got a fucked up face. It looks like eyes are fucked up too. You can see. Third one here is falling down in the middle of a paved parking lot. I mean, it's it's like their brain has been shut off. And it's just doing shit, and it doesn't feel pain, so they're running into shit and fucking up their faces. And yeah, and now that, this, this is what those deer look like. This is me. Movie. This is me jumping ahead a little bit, but I think I need to talk about it now since we're on the topic of deer. A lot of people think what happens to the sun later on in the film is a response to the weapons, like an Havana syndrome type of a deal. That's why his teeth are falling out. 
But earlier on, we see when he's with his sister looking for the deer, walking through the bush, a tick bites him. Yeah, now there's right. a very, a very strong possibility that that tick is infected with that chronic wasting disease and passed it on to him because teeth falling out is one of the symptoms that happens with deer. They literally start yeah, falling to pieces. That was uh, that was one of the MacGuffins that drove me fucking crazy. Is it it sh- like focused on the tick bite? And then for sure him losing his teeth were big, but then you don't ever get an answer to it. I and think it's just like motherfucker. <laughs> like why are his teeth falling out? <laughs> My theory on it, because with heavy radiation, your teeth do fall out, right? Yep. Yep. He's on his phone all the damn time. I think that, that I think that right. that is what caused it. Now, yeah, it is interesting that they focus on that tick bite. Um, but yeah, I think that it's the phone. I, that's my thought is that the phone constant looking on it, holding, I mean, the dude is holding it, looking at it from the moment he wakes up to the moment he goes to sleep. I mean, he's even jacking off to the, the pictures he took of the, uh, the, the black chick, you know what I mean? Like later in the, in the movie. So right. yeah, dude, it's hard to say, but yeah. What are you calling these things, Bob? Mc, McGruffins? What are they? McGuffins. They're called a MacGuffin. It's a, uh, it's a, yeah, it's a whole plot. A hole in the plot where there's there's okay. something there, but it never turns into anything. Okay. So, yeah, I wonder if that is intentionally there or if yeah. it's meant to, like, mislead. The other whatever. one is, is when the owners of the house get to the house. The dad says to the daughter, he's like, hey, we just have to kind of, like, play along for now. And this is what we're being told to do or something along those lines where... Where he's like, this is what we're being told to do. And then nothing, and you, you get the kind of the idea that they're operating under someone else's like tutelage. And they're, mm. and then it just doesn't pan out to be anything. Like there's this one little line that he says that makes it seem like somebody else is pulling his strings, but then it never goes anywhere. And I was like, what the fuck was that? And this is I never picked that up. This is where Act 2 really steps it up. Every single time it goes to a new act, it puts a whole new level, a new speed and pace to the story. That It's in the morning now. Television's still off. Power's only just operating there for some reason. Um, and the, the father decides he's going to go into town, try and find a newspaper, try and talk to some people. As he leaves, um, the, the gentleman, the owner of the house, says that he's going to go see the neighbor's house, the Huxley's, which is a clear nod to Aldous Huxley's Brave New World. Um, and she start, the wife starts having a conversation with the daughter and the daughter starts talking about terrorist attacks and, you know, bombs. And she says, isn't that a little bit paranoid? And the daughter says to her, if you're not paranoid by now, it's probably too late. Right. Yeah. Saying that her dad was the one that always said that this one that's in the know. Yeah. Um, it cuts to the, the husband driving the car and he passes a single black horse on the side of the road. And a black horse is one of the four horses of the apocalypse. It's, uh, I think it belongs to death or to um, war, actually. Um, Red horse is war, I believe. Yeah. yeah, uh, he's driving in the car and we see 16, 19 megahertz on the radio signal um, saying animal migration patterns have been disrupted, which is a massive one because a nuclear event wouldn't necessarily disrupt animal patterns. What does disrupt animal patterns is actually a flip of the polar north and south. Right. So is it really something that's happened, say, through a hacking event, or is it the sun 
and the Earth's axis that are actually changing. And it's a legitimate um, reset, like a grand solar minimum, where everything kind of turns over every couple of um, thousand years. And that's when the reset happens. Because we see all the animals, it's the deer, it's the flamingos, everything's just not operating as it should. Or what if the animals out there have gotten used to, because we know like, you know, all of, and, and what I would call all of God's creations, whatever the fuck you want to call these things, whether they be humans, animals, birds, dolphins, whatever. God's creations, they're, they're incredibly intelligent in ways that we can't really explain. So what if the, with all the man-made destruction with these electronics, all these things that interfere with our natural, uh, you know, instincts and all these things, what if once those get shut off, that might fuck up these animals that have gotten used to it and they've built up this, this, you know, kind of wall to continue operating the way that they naturally want to with all these frequencies out there. And then once it gets a, a switch gets flipped, they don't have the logic to cope with it the way that humans can to where we can be like, Oh yeah, well, I can't, I can't navigate. So we're just going to stay put. And they just go haywire. These animals just lose their fucking minds because they don't know how to handle the change in frequency. Right. I mean, like that, I, I, I don't know if it goes as deep as uh polar shifts and stuff like that. Cause I didn't, I didn't get anything like that. The weather didn't change. You know, there was nothing. In there. Yeah, it could just be a, a change in like the invisible in barriers of the right. frequencies of internet of electricity have those barriers that animals have gotten used to, and then once they're gone, they kind of freak right. out because they can go wherever they want to. Right. Well, that or like you know how like uh it, like dogs, they're very you know they 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 same way that children can like you know they have like a heightened sense to paranormal shit, right? Yeah, you would think that deer. And and different animals, birds and all these things. You gotta think that like around towers, cell phone towers, not just 5G, but like any kind of cell phone towers or any kind of like modern day infrastructure, that's got to fuck with their natural patterns. But they've adapted to it and they still continue to do what they want to do. Deer do what deer do. But once that gets shut off, this has been accumulating over 60 or 50 years or whatever, right? And once it gets shut off, now their instincts are gone and they're like, what the fuck's going on? And they just do weird shit. It's a good time. You know, right. I, like I mean, it. if they're using those frequencies to also help navigate and they've just gotten accustomed to those frequencies being right. there yeah, yeah. to help them navigate. And then all of a sudden those frequencies aren't there. Uh, it'd be like jumping in like a, a current that, you know, goes a certain way. And so, you know where it's going to take you. And then, and then all of a sudden that current is, is a different direction or just oh, not there yeah. or just yeah. not there. And you jump in in the same place and it's like, wait a minute, what the fuck? <laughs> so we progress yeah. from, we progress from this scene where all these things are going on. Um, and the husband's driving and he sees a, a Spanish or a Mexican woman on the side of the road and he pulls up. Now <laughs> I don't speak Spanish. We're not taught to speak Spanish like in Australian schools. So non-offensively she's Mexican. <laughs> We can uh, um, speak earlier. She's we, a speck. We're taught to speak German, Indonesian, or Chinese, so I was shit out of luck on this. The only word I recognize was casa, and casa is a home, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So one of the things that she said, because there's no translation in there, she says, you're the first person I've seen all day. I've seen a plane flying around. Like, that's the only thing I picked up. Because she's speaking so fast. And this is the problem. Right. To any foreigners out there, when shit hits the fan, <laughs> you're trying to reach out to someone that Slow doesn't speak your language. Slow it down and don't approach someone freaking out. 
because I'm a compassionate person. I'm not going to let anyone in my car or in my house if they are screaming, crying, freaking out, snots coming out of their nose, and they're trying to tell me shit that I don't understand. If you sit there, you maybe write it down. We can sound it out together. Maybe I'll understand what you're saying. But, yeah, dude, she went about this shit the wrong way. But, yeah, she's basically describing, like, I haven't seen anyone all day. There's a plane flying around, which you end up seeing just moments later, and all kinds of shit like that. Yeah, she's saying that she needs help. Yeah, and he freaks out. He's a, a bit of a puss. He's a beta male. He kind of leaves the door locked and drives off on her. And this is, um, in his travels, it's a build-up around his character of his fear and how it's manifesting. And we see a drone flying around. And initially, you think it's almost like dispersing a red gas from a distance. Yeah. And he's driving in, so it ends up being these flies. Now, the really interesting thing that you find out about these flies later on is they're written in Arabic. Um, I've got a friend who's a Lebanese woman and I sent her the screenshot of that, the best one I could possibly get. And she gave me a translation on it. Ooh, um, so the red flyer translation okay. says, we order that you pay attention to this brochure. We own the most dangerous and destructive bombs in history. And we give you to give this to you, this frightening truth. So you can contemplate about it. And we assure you that we are saying is right. So it's a broken translation with the thumb covering it, but Essentially, it's a, a, some kind of a Middle Eastern jihadi group saying that they've got access to nukes or to Moab, some kind of super destructive weapons. Yeah, it's a, clearly a threat, right? And well, the, and then uh, they talk about their. Somebody said that they saw another one somewhere else, and it was dropping some in a different language. In Korean, yeah. Korean, Korean, or Chinese. Kevin Bacon says one of but them yeah, Chinese Yeah, yeah. Uh, those are leaflets. Those are CIA leaflets. And um, right. Ghost, he was in the Air Force when we were. T- I, I, you know, I told him over and over again to watch the movie. He finally did, and he actually used to load bombs like that. They used to, they they've done this in Vietnam. They've done it in uh, you know, the Middle East. It, it's basically it's a CIA tactic. It's a, for lack of a better term, MK Ultra kind of tactic to to brainwash people. Messages, right? So this is a a verified thing that goes on in other countries. Mm-hmm. And, and these tactics it's, have been used since modern warfare has been a thing. Uh, it really right. It's just, it's, it's fear mongering. And, and if you could put people in a, in a fearful state, man, you can manipulate the shit out of them. Super yeah, easy. Shape a narrative, you know, super <laughs> easy. Yeah. The they know war. that if they can put you in a state of fear, they can do whatever they fucking want to, to you. Oh yeah, the best war that you can uh, fight is one where like no bullets get shot, right? Like that's the most effective way to fight a war. Well, and they talk about that in this movie, right? Where yeah. the black dude starts talking about his friend that's like in the CIA or some shit, and how they've played out a bunch of scenarios, and uh, this is the one that he's the most terrified of is um, this certain scenario that if you do the first steps right, the rest of it takes care of itself. Yeah, that's at the and- end though. We get there, right? Yeah, yeah, we we find out this guy's in the stock market and he follows trends and patterns. And he knew something was going on because he saw one of his clients dropping a whole heap of money out of the market and putting it into overseas accounts without an explanation. And this is what kind of gave him an in- inkling that something was about to happen. Um, this is the scene where we see the tick bite, so that's happened. Um, and we hear, of, we see aerial bombing happen before the noise occurs. So there's aerial bombing of the city in the distance, and that's the first time we see we hear the noise. Um, and Julia Roberts, again, is still wearing a blue dress. She's always in blue. She doesn't really deviate from that color. 
And we move into the third act, part three, the noise. Mm -hmm. Now, has the conversation between Julia Roberts and um, uh, E.H. or E.G., I forget his name in the movie, and I forget the actor's name. He's a great actor, though. Um, Yeah, everybody nailed it in this fucking movie. There wasn't a bad actor in this fucking movie. I don't think he's had the conversation Bob was alluding to before. I think they have to leave. They leave the house first and then come back. Okay. Right. So this is the this is the scene where we see the Teslas being remotely driven and start smashing into things. Um, not only does this represent the danger of fully autonomous vehicles and the susceptibility of hacking and the government and your the bank kind of taking back what they want at any time, it gives you a bit of a nod as to all the Teslas are white and they're all going in the same direction and they're crashing into things. They represent sheep. Like the average person is just going to go head first into danger without realizing it. Yeah, it also just kind of alludes to the fact that we're not in control. Somebody else is in control. And shit. And it, I think that also alludes to um, another little nod that um, HG or whatever his name is says as he goes uh, you know no one's in control he, he said that's the scariest thing is that nobody's in control which I think is is a little um, it's a little little twist there they want you to think nobody's in control when shit goes bad like they don't want you to know that this is all part of a well organized plan they want you to think that it's just happenstance. Nobody's really that powerful or whatever, and shit just gets sideways. Um, and I think that's kind of an underlying tone that is kind of across the entire movie, but definitely in this this part where, you know, only white Teslas in this one area are just right. all crashing into each other. Well, I think what was going on is like, I mean, how easy would it be to program like a certain color Tesla, like, you know, go because the way that they paint these cars, it's got to be based off the chip or like the 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 the, the serial number on the car. Right. So it's like these white cars are going to go to this location. These black cars are going to go to this location, red cars, this location and so on. And then, you know, obviously by location, that's going to change too. But it is interesting now, and we're talking here, uh, you know, February 3rd, 2023. I'm not sure when this this gets released, but there's some serious problems with Teslas and like the cold right now, like huge problems. Mm. And at the same time, you're starting to see Neuralink pick up some steam. I'm seeing it every morning when I wake up and I know it's programming, but I watch it. I watch Roku news because I have this, I got this new Roku TV and I just watch the shit just to see what they're putting out there. And they're starting to talk about Neuralink quite a bit. And that's a thing that is going, I mean, the yeah. first person got their Neuralink chip and like he's recovering supposedly. Dude, so watch some, the thing. Watch the TV show, The Feed. I think it's on Amazon. Okay. It's fucking pretty crazy. much that. But it's fucking happens. good, dude. Yeah. It's really good. It's but really so my good. point to to bringing that up is not only is the same autistic, you know, weirdo that is in charge of Tesla also putting brain chips in people. What if the same thing could happen with people where all of these certain people go to a spot to perform a certain task? The same way that the cars all went to block out certain areas of the roads. Well, it's kind, it, of like, it, kind of like that Stephen King, be... the cell, right? There's a signal that makes that hot, hot, hot wires people's brains, but if you have a physical implant, it makes it so much easier. 
it's sorry to cut you off, Bob. It's interesting that um you mentioned the issues with Tesla because it was three weeks after this film aired that there was like a million car recall in the States because they were having self-driving issues with the Teslas, whatever model it was. But I had, yes. I experienced red car syndrome. And for those people who don't know it is, yeah. you only start to notice red cars once you've, you've, you've seen one or you bought one, they start appearing everywhere. After seeing this movie, I can't help but not see Teslas everywhere. And I'm in the well, middle of bumfuck nowhere. See, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm right around Austin and, and Houston and fucking everywhere. You're in the Tesla capital, dude. Well, see, the yeah. thing is, like, uh, Elon Musk and Tesla and, and the powers that be, they did a great job telling people that if they had a $50,000 car, that they were a baller, that they were part of some club. <laughs> and yeah. a $50,000 car is, like, just above an average price of a car as far as a new car goes, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not a $100,000 fucking Bentley or Beamer or whatever the fuck. You know, it's a above average car it's a middle class car realistically you know well and the resale values aren't great so like you can get a used fucking badass tesla for like a third of the cost like just a couple years old they fucking plummet in value um and so you can get them cheap like i had a buddy of mine that had one and i was like damn bro like i didn't know you were fucking like that and he goes man i paid fucking 25 grand for this car yeah (laughs) Well, and that's what's funny, man. It's like they got a lot of people thinking that these are luxury items and they're just, you know, just basic shit. I'm sure that they're fun to drive and there's a lot of perks to driving one. But the risks, man, you know, it's probably cool to have an Alexa in your house to turn your lights on and off for you. But do you really want some shit to turn your lights on and off for you? Do you want some machine to drive for you? Do you want to, I mean, have have a machine fuck your wife while you're at it. You know what I mean? Like, what are we doing here? Like we're losing our human experience by like all this yeah. automation. Yeah, there's there's a really cool kids movie called Onward. Dude, watch the first five minutes of it. Like you, you can watch Onward. the rest of it. Onward. It's on Disney. Um and just watch the first five minutes of it and it's about how we've traded the magic of things for convenience. Oh and yeah. It's fucking it dude, it's mind blowing. You'll watch that first five minutes and go, Holy fuck. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I I have really a good. I might have a thing that we can share in a little bit here too. That's along those lines. But Drew, uh, what was the the next part of the plot uh, here? So this is with the the major part where we get our um, HG. He's our shady character who has connections to some pretty high people, some CIA people, as Bob alluded to before. He starts a conversation about the preconceived beliefs versus truths, which is such a great statement because a belief system inevitably isn't always the truth it's you can have your evidence and evidence isn't always proof um and he has this conversation with julia roberts our main lead our female lead and he's talking about a few years back he was having drinks with his client and he went around there and they were, he said his wife went home in a taxi and they were having cigars and they were putting them away and he was so drunk he started letting slip some of the things that's going on um and it's the idea that no one's really in control and even the elites of the world, the best they can get is a heads up. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I don't agree with it necessarily, but <laughs> no, this is what they're trying to tell us. <laughs> well, and you know, realistically, I mean, realistically, I know that we're, you know, we're these kind of guys that say like, yeah, some pe- someone's in control. Something's controlling this. We have no proof of that though. Like realistically, we have no proof that there is any entity that's controlling this. So, 
I like what he's saying. I don't agree because I have my own like predisposed and I've done my research that has led me to a certain spot. But at the end of the day, dude, I don't. And I, I'll go out on the limb and I'll say that you guys don't absolutely know that someone is controlling it. And if you do know, who is it? You know what I mean? That's the problem well, all truth is going to get into. Everyone thinks they're going to there's... start a podcast and they're going to find the evidence. But evidence isn't proof. Right. You can have a right. whole heap of evidence well, that can lean a certain way and kind of give you a belief system about something, but when no one, absolutely no one has the exact truth. We all right. have No, pieces. but whether or not somebody's in control, this place was clearly created. Like, it was made. Like, there, there's too much for this all to be fucking happenstance. Sure. So, it was created. Now, whether or not anybody is in control of this fucking creation, uh, I don't know. Uh, and if there is anybody in control, I don't think they're good. Like, I don't think yeah, the good guys have control of this fucking place. <laughs> yeah, it's not the white hat. So, no, no, the good guys. They, and I always allude to, I, I always reference in conversations like this, uh, a line to one of my favorite movies, Last Action Hero, where the Last bad guy gets out of the movie and into the real world. And he's like, I love it here. Because the bad guys can win. Do you know why, Jack? Shall I tell you why? Because here, in this world, the bad guys can win. Mm. I have just killed this man and I wish to turn myself in. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) Right. It's so good. Such a good movie. Uh, So good. We'll have to do that movie eventually. We will. I fucking love that movie. Um, this conversation, he throws around a lot of the tropes that you associate with the elites of the lizard people that run the world type of a deal. And he talks about how he has an annual meeting, the evil cabal, blah, 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 all that type of stuff. I thought you only had those meetings during the winter solstice. So it throws a lot of those um, those crumbs at you, which lead to the cake that is common. Plus they make do point. it in and kind they make of a fun backhanded of way. Yeah. Like... They do it in a way that makes it seem silly, which, like, if you don't think there's a powerful group of people that control the majority of the shit that goes down in this world, you're gullible beyond belief. Like, like there's clearly some powerful people that m- pull a lot of the major strings and things. Um, and, you know, to try to make fun of that and, and allude to that that's not there. I think it's just to kind of get the sheep to just make, you know, go along with it. Like, yeah, see, that's just some stupid, nobody's in control. Nobody's in control. You know, it's just, it's more of that perpetuating of nobody's in control because they're making fun of the idea that there are people in control. I think that, that what makes more sense and, 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 and until someone can tell me who the group of people in control is, who are these people? Um, I think it's like multiple factions of people that are kind of warring over It's different layers, right? Right. And and maybe different crime families essentially, yeah. Sure. Maybe, man. I mean, I don't know. It's so hard because Dave Weiss has a theory that the people that actually control the shit, the biggest people that control the shit in this realm are just outside of it. They're they're watching us like fucking Truman shit. You know, yeah, but I, I mean, I want something more tangible, you know, like that makes sense and it's fun, but like, I want something like there's got to be someone here on this earth if, if we're sure. talking about people controlling us, those wouldn't be people at that point, right? 
Because well, they're not on this earth. Those would be some other entities. Well, we don't so know. that to me is crazier than thinking that it is just a, a fucking shit show down here. So as Americans and conspiracy theorists, I thought you guys would have been onto it by now. Who the exact person is who pulls the strings? Taylor Swift. Well, it very well, <laughs> it very well could be um, like a movie. I think you and I went over in Movie Minds, um, Escape from New York. Did we do that movie? No, we didn't. No, well, maybe it was me and Andy that did that movie before we came together. I don't think we. I don't think that we ever released. released. No, it was a, it was unreleased. Fuck, it was unreleased, man. Following me since the Doomsday Map because I've got a video. Were you guys hearing that? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um. I am sorry. So I think it very well. I mean, I simultaneously hold hundreds, if not thousands, of theories. Um, but. One of them is that this is like the prison in Escape from New York, where it's just different hierarchies inside of the prison, you know. But ultimately, it's the people outside of the prison that control the fucking prison, you know. Uh, and it goes but to the inside the, the... of it. There's a there's also factions and different people that control things. So, well, it goes to the saying that the greatest prison is the one you don't recognize that you're in, mm-hmm. and you're better oh, yeah. off being a a manager or a CEO in hell than you are a basic plebeian. So people are going to take advantage of whatever situation they're in. Anybody that's, you know, I've never been to prison prison, but I know people that have, and they always say fucking become a trustee because then you can get shit. Like then, then prison ain't that bad. Like become a fucking trustee and they loosen up the reins and you can kind of fucking live an all right life in there. Let me know guys, if I'm jumping or missing anything and you've got something to add. Um, where do we leave off sorry this this is um we see the flamingos arrive which is very odd because i take it flamingos would be from florida that part of your guys neck of the woods um they've kind of come north means they're flying north yeah Yeah. flying north so they're getting away from something um this is where the sun's teeth start to fall out um and we have the second noise occur but this time the noise appears to be at a higher frequency because it shatters or cracks the glass and screens of everything around it so there seems to be the intensity gets higher. And I'm thinking that maybe this is also something that facilitates home dude losing his teeth is these, these insane frequencies that are going through him. Um, and maybe that's what loosens his teeth. Um, well, sure it is, but because, why is he so susceptible to it? Is it the tick or is it the phone? Is it a combination? Right. What is it right? right? Like, that's what we're right. wondering. And, and is he I just is poisoned it, at a significantly oh. higher is right. it because he's the ideal breeding age male for his generation? If you take hey. them out, there's no next generation. Maybe. Yeah. He's being targeted. There's so many and, things we don't really get answers to in this movie. It's kind of frustrating, but at the same time, it leaves it completely open for your mind to just That's the that, That's the great it. thing about it. People get bogged down on watching it multiple times and finding the hidden thing. There doesn't always have to be the hidden thing. Sometimes the speculation is where you can start to hypothesize and come up with good reasons behind certain things in the film. Oh yeah. And that's actually why I like watching it over and over. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like one, like I said, one of those things I'll put it on in the background. It's, you know, you can pick up things just randomly and just learn more about like the message that they're trying to put out. I do want to step back to, to that conversation that, that Julia Roberts and, uh, the guy's name is Ali. His last name's Ali. It's Mershala Ali, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maher. The actor's name. Mershala Ali. Um, like I said, good actor. Not, you know, I didn't want to not 
uh, you know, mention his name. We're, we're mentioning all these <laughs> other guys' names and stuff. But, you know, it, there's like almost this like romance that starts blossoming between the daughter and Ethan Hawke and Ali and Julia Roberts, right? Like it's a weird thing. Julia Roberts and and um, Ali are, are, are drinking. They're getting sauced. And, and Ali tells Roberts this story and then she freaks out, you know, and then they go and dance. They're dancing to, uh, what is that damn song, dude? Um, it's an old like nineties or eighties hip hop song, but, um, basically about getting a boner from a chick dancing on you is what the song's about. And, um, yeah, dude, it's, I mean, I'm not even joking, but you guys are laughing, but that's literally what the song Roberts. is. Roberts. Julie Roberts has not aged well. Not that she was ever like really hot, but she kind of looks like a dude. Ladies yeah, of the night tend not to age well. You know, yeah, she's a weird looking chick. Um, and I don't remember if it's in this conversation or earlier, but Julia Roberts actually has my favorite line in the entire movie, um, where she talks about how everything is a distraction um, away from how terrible we've all become. Oh, that's at the mm. end of the shed. And I, yeah. I totally agree with what she says. Ugh. We're all Ugh. living an agreed, she says this, she says. An, an agreed a, delusion. An agreed mass delusion. And Dad. it's like, that is it. I mean, that, that's what the movie should have been called. I think, I think the whole, I think that is possibly the biggest underlying message in the entire fucking film. I will push um, back on that. I got a message. And, I got the moral of the story for you at the end. It's about trans. I think that's it? it. The moral of the story is we're fucking atrocious pieces of shit. We're all living wrong and we need to correct before this shit hits the fan. No, no. I think the shit's going to hit the fan. And I, like I said, I'll save it for the end, but of I think course. that there is a defined moral. Um, but what my, my point to, to kind of circling back to that conversation was, is that, you know, there's this family, Julia Roberts is talking about how she hates everybody and she's implying she kind of even hates her husband. Like she even hates her kids. Like it seems like she doesn't like anybody. Right. And Ali, the person that she really didn't trust was like the person that she ends up liking the most. It seems like in this movie, they start dancing. They almost bang. Like they get real close to fucking. They get real close. I thought, I thought shit was going to go down, man. I, thought, I wanted to see her. She's do like, some weird shit. she's like, uh, we're married. Yeah. <laughs> And meanwhile, you know, Ali's wife is, you know, in Morocco, probably at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean because, you know, planes are falling out of the sky and shit this whole time. And which is, um, a, which is a weird thing. The planes shouldn't be dropping out of the sky if just their navigation systems have gone. You could still <laughs> manually land those things. Right. So that makes right. me think there's something maybe bigger going on. Either it's a some kind of a weapon that's being used or like going back to that idea of. Um, it could be frequency that, yeah. that just you know, drops any well, clearly, atmosphere, just breaks up the atmosphere that, that they're pushing against in order to fly. And it's like, it's like going into a whirlpool. Clearly they're in long Island. They are kind of the last to get it because they look at the mainland U S and I mean, there's nukes getting dropped and shit, you know, at the, at the end of the movie and there's, mm -hmm. you know, gunfire, there's all kinds of wild shit going on. And 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 obviously the lights got shut out out there, so maybe there was some kind of EMP. But you know, uh, Long Island, which is a very very like, it's a third world country in Long Island. It's very <laughs> very wealthy and poor. You know what I mean? It's I mean, there's some very uh, some of the most expensive real estate in the United States is in fucking Long Island. It's like Great Gatsby shit out there. And then right. there's poor people. 
in Long Island, right? right? So maybe maybe they're telling you something there where it's like that's the place to fucking be if shit goes crazy. I've also heard New Zealand is the place to be. Like, there's all these rich people that. Well, have that's where James. Yeah, James Cameron's got a big ass fucking place in New Zealand. Supposedly, the, does the bushes. Too. The Google guys do. Um, I know Zuckerberg's been building a spot out in Hawaii where he's trying to like raise Kobe beef and like do all this stuff out there. Like he, I mean, if he wasn't such a fucking weirdo, he seems like he'd be a cool dude, but he's a, such a prick. I mean, he's trying to do, you know, he's into martial arts. He's into, you know, uh, raising Kobe beef with like beer that they're growing on their property and shit. Like, it sounds like he'd be a cool dude, but he's just such a fucking robot prick where it's like, get out of here. Uh, and he's I think even the, real. I think that what even... he's done, what he's doing, dude, he's tapping into what people want, like what an alpha male would want in a friend. And he's, he's doing that stuff. He's like, Oh yeah, we're going to grow, grow barley for beer out here and do all this shit. And we're going to raise Kobe beef and we're going to do all the cool things. And meanwhile, he's like, you know, I don't know who, what the hell he's really doing, but on paper, I mean, if, I, cool. if I had unlimited amounts of money, I'd probably be doing some shit like that, honestly. Oh, dude, yeah, we talked honestly, about it. I'd probably be out in the middle of nowhere with a fucking badass farm, you know, a few thousand acres, fucking doing whatever. And yeah, you wouldn't let people say shit that you, that you think is just like downright harmful. Like I would, I would straight up kill like teachers and shit that said that, you know, your kids can have any fucking gender that they want. Like I would, I would hang these people by a fucking noose you know what i mean and like just people that are out there fucking pushing this gender theory shit i I wouldn't let them fucking push that shit so i get it when you have the money you're gonna do weird shit it's just unfortunate that it's these people that are doing it and those are the people that would collapse very quickly if this type of situation occurred because gender ideology all these ideas of extreme progressivism they are reactions to a fat, lazy, and entitled society that that's what they have to worry about. If you don't have to worry about finding water and eating and staying alive, you are very, very well looked after. And you can start to look at things and put it into microcosms to the point where you think it's a problem. Your gender is not a problem. Right. Right. Yeah, that's well said. Yeah, man, there's there's no homeless people in Africa that are questioning their fucking gender, you know? Right. It's wild, but... We're um, uh, off topic. Yeah, we get up, we're up to the last scene now, ironically called the last one. Um, the daughter disappears. She up and leaves. She walks off. She, You would assume that she's going to the, the house that she saw when she was in the woods with her brother. She's gone. Um, and this is where the son starts to get really sick. He actually starts throwing up, which is kind of linking back to the idea of radiation poisoning. Um, Julie Roberts has that big speech about how bad humans are and we fuck everything up, blah, 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 kind of that justification of depopulation, which she's not wrong in a sense. Um, and the conversations about Havana syndrome and radiation weapons come up when they, the husband and HG go to the redneck's house to try and get some medication for the son. He kind of fills them all in. He connects all the dots for them in a lot of ways. Um, he says a great line, you've got to read the papers deeper than page one. We don't even read articles these days beyond the headlines. People will read a headline, say, Trump does this, and they'll run off and they'll start speaking about that, and they don't actually read the article about what Trump's done and the details surrounding it. It almost never is what the headline said. Um, It's really crazy. And he's right, man. We're in a headline society where everybody just looks at the the in-your-face shit. And um, 
and we're not going to see if if anything does happen. We we're never going to see it coming as a society. Us three here, we'll probably see it coming, and we'll be telling people about it. But we may not even see it coming, but we might be able to react. We might be able to react to it better. Right, that too. Yeah, I mean, I think if you uh, if you're just able to, um, you know, just pay attention and like defend yourself, just like in the slightest, I think that you're like far ahead of yeah. all a lot of people, man. A lot. Of people. Well, something something we haven't Examples, we, we can we've only kind of we've only kind of mentioned mentioned a, a little bit. Um, if it was even before we started recording, I don't know. Um, but the the brother and the sister are wearing two very um, obvious shirts, right? It's Obey and NASA. And the guy that made the Obey shirt, the guy that designed the logo for Obey, also designed the logo for Obama Hope. And then Obama is the fucking uh, director or the fucking producer of the movie. Um, But I, I think it goes to how many layers there are. I mean, even their fucking T-shirts. And, and they're always when they're standing next to each other. It never says NASA obey. It always says obey NASA. Right, but do you think like what does that mean? Because I know it's a very provocative thing for conspiracy I, people to say obey NASA. But what does it mean to obey NASA? I think, um, I mean, there's a lot. Just stay asleep, stay fucking in the fantasy, right? Like, like, stay in the fantasy. Um, but I think it's also when things are dropping out of the sky, I, I, I don't think people understand how much control NASA has. Um, you know, NASA has insane levels of control of the air, like just the airwaves, the frequencies that are being done. I mean, they're doing more experimentation on that than anything that they're pretending to do with the moon or any of that shit. They just focus the shit on that. So you don't know that they're also in control of all this other shit. And so it could be a nod to the fact that NASA actually is one in control of the wavelengths and the ionosphere or whatever you want to call it. And that's why airplanes are falling out of the sky is they're changing the polarity because they have that power and things are just dropping out of the fucking sky. Well, if you go back to the idea of what NASA is in Hebrew, it means deception or to deceive. So you have, right. Yeah. So you have to believe right. the deception. Believe the deception. Right. That too. So are we believing the deception that is the film? They're trying to scare us by saying it's going to be this massive thing. But in reality, we're probably going to be walking into a future where everyone's neurolinked, the CBDCs, we're living in pods, we're heavily controlled. There is no apocalypse but we just build a more integrated prison for ourselves that we can never hope of getting out of. Well, it's uh, it's our boy Chud always mentions it. um, Incrementalism. Like it's, they, they sell these big boogeymen that are going to come and it's just so they can get us this much further at the time. And then they'll sell us another bit boogeyman and they'll get us this much further. And they just keep doing that over and they're just in a repeating cycle of showing you this big scary boogeyman and then just moving everything forward just a little bit because they know you'll be okay with it because they're putting you in a state of fear as society, you being society, not any of us. Um, They put them in a state of fear 
and it relaxes their anus and lets them get, a, get <laughs> fucked a little bit, you know? Hey. Let's try and round this puppy out. I can see Bob slowly fading away there. Um, I'm a little drunk. I drank that's okay. entire, I drank like half a bottle of wine before. He just had a uh, kid, Drew. He did. He's got no sleep whatsoever. <laughs> he, um, so this is where we have the conversation between our the husband, our leading man, and HG. And he explains to, he's, explains to the guy that's got the gun on him, like, I'm a useless man. I need help. I can't do this. I can't do it by myself. And we have the conversation of HG in the car, and he outlines the fall of a society, the most cost-effective way to destabilize a nation. Step one is isolation, disabled communications and transport. Tick, we saw that happen. Synchronized chaos, no clear enemy or motive. Tick, that's why we have the the propaganda being dropped all over with different enemies in each place. And then eventually the coup d'etat, civil war and collapse. So elements within the military will take advantage of this and turn on their own people. And we see that at the very end when you see open urban warfare, jets bombing streets in the city in the distance, and inevitably we start seeing mushroom clouds from nukes being dropped. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, they do it really well. And the whole scene where he goes, I mean, they, they the reason that they go to, uh, to the, the reason that they get into this confrontation in the first place is that, you know, they, they know that they have this very prepared neighbor it's not the huxley's it's kevin bacon in this situation right the huxley's were were gone you know who knows where the fuck the huxley's went um and you know we we were kind of all over the place at that part but you know that's when when uh you know gh sees this plane fall out of the sky and crash into the ocean it, i mean it's wild it's a wild scene right there but then you know this neighbor that's very prepared he seems like the the fringe conspiracy theory dude he's got a pentagram on his head the dallas cowboy he's a QAnon guy for sure yeah he definitely thinks that uh (laughs) dolphins are uh, by the anunnaki uh from uh, jfk's theory right but right he he's definitely a weird dude but he's a very prepared guy and he takes pride in that when uh, you know even there's a line where kevin uh ethan hawk says you know you're a very prepared man when he's got a, a shotgun pointed in his face and Kevin Bacon says, fuck yeah, I am. And I love that. I'm like, I just like how he says, fuck yeah, I am a prepared man. Like, you're, you're a bitch. You're not doing anything. You you didn't pay attention to the, past the first page of the newspapers, right? You read the right. headlines and all the flashy shit. I read into everything and I pay attention and this is why I'm prepared. So he's got the iodine pills that will save his kid. And <laughs> there's a really funny line where, you know, after this high tension scene where Ali is pointing a, a shitty little pistol that he's got probably a block that's going to fucking jam first shot. Right. <laughs> um, you know, he need, he needs an XDM or something. But I mean, this dude is is pointing a pistol at this dude. He's got a, a shotgun pointed right in his face. And um there's a standoff. That's when Ethan Hawke says, I'm a, I'm a worthless man. I'm doing what I can do to protect my son. You got to appreciate this. Like, just please help me out. I'll give you a thousand fucking dollars for this, this jar of pills. Just help me help us out. And there's this hilarious line where Ethan Hawke says, well, we're bound to go to a barter system at some point. And, and Ethan Hawke under his breath, he's like, well, I paid you a thousand dollars. Not really a barter system. <laughs> you know, I still gave you. It connection. is still a barter system. That's not a barter system, but, dude. That but is what it is, so you're trading. At the end of the day, a barter system is trading one thing that you value less than the thing you're getting, and the other person values the thing that you have 
more than what they're giving you. Which is That's interesting. Purest, that, that is a simplified barter system. And so he had $1,000, which to him was meaningless. Uh, but to the fucking prepper that goes, you know what? Dollars may have value in the future. They don't right now when shit's hitting the fan, but they will eventually. So I'm going to take that. I'll give you these fucking pills because I got a million of them. Um, and we're good. We're on a barter and that system is right a now. Then. We're on a barter system right now because the cash, you can't, you can't live under your cash. You can't eat we your are. cash. Drink Everything your cash. is a barter system. And that's what I hate about people saying, well, I want to go back to the barter system. Well, I'm bartering my time for a fixed a fictional fucking currency right like that like i, thought, I am i am i am agreeing agreeing to trade my labor for this fucking ones and zeros you're gonna put in my fucking bank account that's more fixed right. though whereas a barter system i thought always had that air of negotiation you don't really get to negotiate your wage in most workplaces sure you, you don't do. get to ne- don't <laughs> usually don't usually not in my country. I just took a uh, job and I convinced them to give me significantly more money than they wanted to give me. Like <laughs> I bartered with them. An example would be there might be, say, uh, a six-pack of beer that's 20 bucks, and I go up to the counter and go, I'm going to give you $15 for this and a handshake. They tell me to get the fuck out. Yeah. So I know right. what you're saying. I know what you're saying, but I think it's a little bit more nuanced in that sense. As sure. Well. Um, right. Sure. But over... An overarching definition is trading one thing for another. Another, yeah, right. Trading yeah. time, whether it's but, a fixed value, yeah. because somebody can be like, "I'll give you four apples for those that one watermelon," and I'm gonna go fuck you. The price is five apples. Like, and if you don't fucking want it, somebody else will get it. Like, I can set my prices too, right? Where I don't, I don't deviate from them. But it's a uh, there's there's market standards, right? That gets set and shit. And that would probably oh, way, happen. Watermelon is worth about ten or twenty apples because there's so many fucking electrolytes in, <laughs> in a watermelon. So don't be trading your watermelons for less than ten apples. But yeah, dude, it's uh, it, it's just it gets very tense at the end of this movie, right? I mean, there's this this scene yeah. where uh, at, at that point where where Kevin Bacon, you know, when he's before he gives the pills, he tells these guys, hey, you know. If you really want to help yourselves, go to your neighbors. Uh, I forget the names of the neighbors. I don't know if you know them, Drew, off the top of your head. Uh, the Thrones. Or the Thorns. Thorns. I think Thrones or the Thorns. Thorns. Okay. Uh, whatever the neighbors' names are, but he's like, go over there. They, I, I heard that they built some weird underground thing that they weren't telling anyone about, and that's rich asshole talk for a doomsday bunker, right? <laughs> and right. that's exactly... What it is. I mean, I, it, it's very interesting because you hear about all these things. You hear about people building bunkers. I actually, my my cousin, not my old co-host, but one of my cousins fucking went and set up like surround sound and like TVs for a very wealthy businessman here in Tucson, Arizona that has like a nuke proof fucking underground generated powered like wild underground bunker. Like it's nuts with guns. All kinds of shit down there. It looks awesome. This is the kind of shit I would be spending if I had the money this dude had. Fuck yeah. This but, is the, well, the interesting yeah, thing about that house though, Ryan. We've had the whole film where everything's in blue. The houses are in blue. We get to their house, the rich asshole's doomsday house. There's a red door. There's a red hallway. There's red paintings. One of the paintings above the staircase on the way down to the bunker says, hope begins in the dark. Yeah. And this yeah. is where the missing daughter's been the whole time. She's been smashing down cereal, drinking Pepsi, and she kind of walks down to this little bunker. 
and she finds her like her um reason for living is to watch the final episode of friends and she sees that there's physical media there there's dvds on this rack she pulls it out and she starts watching the film Dude, yeah. it, it's such a good final scene because it's this underlaying uh narrative through the whole movie is that she's fucking super pissed off that she wasn't able to watch the last episode of friends like she's so mad she got all the way to the last episode and can't fucking watch it and you hear it the whole fucking movie <laughs> and then the last scene is her sitting down eating the fuck just in overindulging herself with the, with shit and that's all she cared about the entire fucking time the world is falling the fuck apart and all she cared about was this show that's that's it it's interesting in this scene while she's doing that it has little nods to some things going on in the background. There's a, a computer screen, a monitor that's set up in this bunker, on uh, this bunker, sorry. And it has the coordinate 6999.310, which is quite interesting that if you invert that, it's 666 again. Um, mm-hmm. And it says as a message sc- rolling across the screen, White House and major cities under attack by rogue armed forces. Multiple <laughs> nuclear detonations recorded. So whatever this guy's linked up to, his computer monitor, the the guy who built this house, he's clued into what would have been happening. Right. He knew what the fuck was up, and he either boogied or this was just an extra house. Or, or he was dead already. Yeah, or he was caught with his pants down. He was in the city right. as it happened. Which That's... goes to show you can be as prepared as you want to be, but if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time... Yeah, because they weren't off. there. He has this bunker, shit's hitting the fan, and he ain't there. So that's what that's one of the things that I thought was really important is that you can be wealthy, you can be quote unquote in the know, you can do all this shit, but if you're not in the right place at the wrong time, you're still fucked. And if we're ready for it, like my my like moral of the story, I mean, I can share what that is if we're at the end right now. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, man. So, like, what I think it is, man, is that you need to do whatever you need to do in your own head all the time. Like it it doesn't matter if we're in an apocalyptic situation or whatever, like the, the, the reason from the beginning of the movie that this family is in this situation in the first place is because Julia Roberts on a whim was like, fuck it. I cannot take this anymore. I'm going to take a vacation. We're going to do this right now. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care what my family says. My husband, we're getting the fuck out of here right now. And I want to do this and we're going to do it. The daughter at the, at the end when she's like, I can't take it anymore. I need to fucking see friends, right? I need to see the last episode of friends. She gets the fuck out of there and she fucking gets what she wants. They all get what they want by doing just whatever they need to do. The dad, the, the daughter, uh, the uh, like Ali and, and his daughter I forget the daughter's name but they they just go and they fucking like everyone just gets their way and they get to the point where they need to be by just saying fuck it we need to do what we need to do and and instead of thinking right. about like the, the consequences or maybe like any kind of repercussions of, of you know like the politics of anything it's just doing it just going out and just doing what you gotta do um, right. the indecisive ones here are the ones that get fucked Mm-hmm. including, you know, Ethan Hawke, who kind of gets cucked around a little bit. Uh, he his, his wife doesn't quite get fucked, but, I mean, you know, she was soaking wet for, for Ali there. Um, I mean, yep. it was, 
at that point, you just fuck my wife. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it was close enough. So that's close enough that it would cause problems. Yeah. If, if he ended up finding out, you know, and then (laughs) same thing for the wife, that would be a fucking problem. I can tell you right now. If he's, if, if the wife, if Julia Roberts knew that, that, that this dude was sitting out there smoking fucking weed with the daughter talking about fucking his students and shit, that'd be a problem for her too. So it's like doing what you need to do. Um, I think gets you to where you need to be. And I think that that's kind of like, in, in my opinion, that's like the whole moral of this this movie, and especially in an apocalyptic situation. Like, logic goes out the window. It's all instinct. And I think that that's what the deer were doing. The deer didn't know what the fuck was going on, so they were just staring well, at the people. Well, and that's it. Like, like maybe maybe that's really the underlying message here is when you're, when you're really because the only person that really got what they wanted in the movie that wanted it the entire fucking time and the final scene is them getting that was the person that was the most focused she saw the boat coming in she paid attention to the fucking deer like she was the most hyper focused person the entire movie with the exception of maybe kevin bacon but we only get a blip of him right at the end um but and he also bended his will he bended his will he didn't he you know he ended up caving to the to Ethan Hawk. So right. he didn't even get his way a hundred percent. Yeah. And the only person that really got what they wanted was the person that was paying attention the whole fucking time. So the moral is always having an autistic locked in. She always have an autistic in. person in your group. If the world collapses, <laughs> no an autistic person. Hey, that's Well, me. just observe your surroundings, man. I try to teach my fucking kid that my twelve year old man, that dude The baby? No, my my oldest, my twelve year old man, that He's motherfucker is the least. <laughs> he is the least observant person I've ever uh-huh. met in my life. Holy shit, man! I hope so. I'm just like, goddamn, dude, you are the most unaware person. Like, if you think I'm gonna give you my truck, being this fucking unaware, it ain't gonna happen. I'll get you something else to drive, but just you ain't walk up my truck. He's sitting there. When he's sitting there, like making himself a sandwich or something, do like a leg sweep and just like take his legs up. <laughs> oh, I fuck with him all attention. the time. I fuck with him all the time, man. Ryan, he's, you nailed that's my dude. You nailed like the, I think what the moral undertones of this film and that the messaging is. But I'm going to go a slightly different direction. That it also does something that I think, and Sam Tripoli says this a lot, and it's such a throwaway line. They're jacking our loosh. They're draining your energy right. and your attention by releasing this type yep. of stuff. And this isn't a, a movie from the 90s or the 80s where you actually have to look for it and work hard on to d- decode. They're just throwing so much sandbox conspiracy theory at you that you're practically at the beach. There's so much there. And it did a good job. It even got me. When I first watched it, it scared the shit out of me. But it gave me some perspective afterwards that I didn't want to be like an Ethan Hawke character. Or like the the wealthy person who wasn't in their super bunker. They were just missing. They were probably dead somewhere. It kind of kicked my ass into gear to go back through my preps, look at my go bag, and look at my contingency plans that I've got in place. I won't have a plan for every situation. That's impossible to think you can do that. But if you have enough bases covered, you've got a better chance than other people. Sure. Dude, let me tell you something. Like As far as like watching the movie and, and, and being scared for a little bit, like not much gets to me, not much rattles me, but I, so, uh, you know, I have this job where, um, I've never had to travel for work before. Right. And I traveled for work for the first time in, in December. I, I did a, uh, December 12th, uh, flew from here to Philadelphia. Right. So flew from here to Sun Arizona to Atlanta 
uh, Georgia to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I saw this movie the for the first time the day before I left. The day before I left. And I'm terrified of flying because I don't fucking fly. After flying one time, I love it. I mean, like, it's fun. You know, I haven't flown for before this. I hadn't flown for like, you know, eight years or so. Um, so yeah, dude, I, I'm, I'm sketched out. Cause when I can't control a situation, I'm fucking scared, man. I've been in a really bad car accident. I get scared when other people are driving in cars. Like I, I, I don't trust other people fucking driving. So like I'm fuck, I was terrified driving this plane, dude. It was a five o'clock uh, flight out time. I got shit faced before I got on this plane at 5 a.m., dude. I was so fucking scared. And I'm walking through TSA at 5 in the morning here, drunk as shit. And, I mean, you know, and everything ended up obviously working out fine. But, dude, imagine that. Like, imagine, like, you're already scared to fly, and then you see this fucking movie where planes are falling out of the sky and shit. <laughs> and, and the end of the world's coming. I Obviously, I can't bring my gun on this fucking plane. So I'm just sitting here. I bought a knife in Philly that I threw away when I got back on the plane just to have a weapon on me. And it's like, yeah, dude, I mean, it, it, it is uh, it, it's a weird thing that rattles you. But like, realistically, there's nothing scary about the movie, dude. Like, I'm fucking prepared. Like it, it, the odds of some shit going down when you're out of your element are very low, unless you're just traveling all the time, in which case, you know, you're probably fucked if, if something was to go on. But yeah, man, I mean, I got a skateboard in my car. If I have to fucking, you know, if, if an EMP goes off, I can skateboard back to my house. It's going to take a while, but I can skateboard <laughs> back to my house. I'll See, have I'll just pit- drive an old ass truck. Well, if I really pop- think well, an EMP is going to hit, all I got to do is disconnect the negative terminal on my battery. And after the EMP, I connect it back and my truck will start right the fuck it, up. It'll literally be Mad Max because all the good old cars will be driving around. <laughs> right, man. Well, then you got to know the EMP is going off, though, you know? So, I don't know. If I knew shit was going to... I've actually thought about putting a kill switch in it, um, in the cab that disconnects my negative terminal when I get out. Um, So, I just get in the habit of doing it. So, it's just just something I do every time I get out. And that way, when it does come time, if I don't know about it, it's already a habit. The only way it would get me is if I was currently driving it possibility well cool man um this movie was fucking awesome man anybody that hasn't seen it um i'm sure there's there's a million things we didn't get to um like we all kind of alluded to you can watch this movie obviously more than 30 times and catch new shit every fucking time we could have 15 podcasts about this um and not get through it all so watch it. Fucking send us messages. Let us know what we missed or or whatever. Because fuck, man, this movie's badass. Uh, I want to watch it again. I haven't been able to, but I'm afraid that if I do put it on the regular rotation, it's something that'll I'll I'll just be putting it on all the time. <laughs> it's um, fun, man. It's a fun watch. It's even a good one, man. It's fucking Absolutely. killer, dude. I, I gotta I gotta chalk it up to the Obamas for fucking putting out just a stellar ass movie. Michael Big Mike knows how to do two Big things Mike. and make movies. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what Mike knows what to do. Yeah, man. All right, gentlemen. <laughs> that's it. We finally got it. Put a nail in it. She's done. Took us right. six weeks, but we got there. Uh, we are trying to get another one out this month, guys, to try and make up for our, our lack of attention to the show, but we will get there. It'll be a bit more of a chilled, relaxed watch along. You'll have to wait and see for what that one is. I'll put out a little bit of a a puzzle, see if you guys can crack it. 
And on that note, we'll catch you next time. All right. Bye, guys. Later, guys. Game over, man. Game over. What are we going to do now? What are we going to do? Get to the chopper! No, God, please, no! 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 You don't approve. Well, too bad. Let me beg here, because I will do it. We'll keep going. You want another one? Say the word, just say the word. Yes, you got it! You got another one right there! That's another one, pal! Wow! Oh, I'm so happy I can't even feel my arms! Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.